We're in Perek Tesvav, the last Mishnah, Mishnah Yud. It says the Mishnah, Nitan li yavam medina sayam, amra meis bali, v'achar kach meis yavami, yavami v'achar kach bali, ne'emenes. If a woman is overseas with her husband, and she, and her mother-in-law, and she says that a, a, a yavam was born while we were overseas, meaning her mother-in-law had another son. When she left, there was no Yavam. Her husband did not have any paternal brother. She says a paternal brother was born to him while they were overseas. Now, she comes back from overseas and she says that her husband died and after that her Yavam died. And, or she says that her Yavam died and after that her husband died. Either way, she's believed. The reason is because when she left, so we thought that her position would be one that if her husband died, there would be no Yibum. The only reason we think there's a yibum is because she told us there's a yibum, and therefore hapesha aser who hapesha hitter. That since she herself said that she had a yavam, and she herself told us that the yavam died, we believe her, because her default position before she left, as far as we knew, was there was no yavam. So she is believed in that case to tell us that the yavam died either way, whether he died first or second. Says the Mishnah, um, the uh, the inverse kind of a case. Now she goes overseas with her husband and her Yavam, because she already had a Yavam when she left. Now what happens when she comes back? Amra meis bali v'acharkach meis Yavami. Yavami v'acharkach bali. Eina ne'amenes. So over here, she says when she comes back, either way, that first her husband died and then the Yavam died, or that the Yavam died and after that the husband died, either way, she's not believed. Says the Mishnah, A woman was never believed. The rabbis never gave her the ability to testify about herself vis-a-vis her Yavam, only about her husband. So therefore, when she left and she already had a Yavam, so she's not the one telling us that she had a Yavam. She already had a Yavam when she left. So therefore, she's trying to... um, testify about herself vis-a-vis the Yavam to allow her to go get remarried to somebody else. On that, we never allowed her to do that. We only ever allowed a woman, we're only lenient with a woman when it came to testifying about her husband. And again, the reason is because a woman will be careful when it comes to her husband. She does not want to get in a situation where the husband actually really is alive and he's going to come back later. And then all the kids she's going to have are going to be mamzerim. She's going to be usher to the new guy, usher to the old guy. All the things we talked about earlier in the Masechta, that's very scary for her, so she'll be very careful. Whereas over here, we're concerned, maybe she hated the Yavam, so she's really getting out of it because of um, how she felt about him, um, and she's not believed, in this case, vis-a-vis the Yavam. The Mishnah continues, V'lo mesa achosi shetikanes lebeso. She's also not believed to testify that her sister died so that she can get married to her sister's husband. Again, because maybe she has emotional feelings for that man and she's lying. Also, a man is not believed to say that his brother died in order that he can do yibum with his brother's wife. Because again, um, he's not, there was never ever such a ability, such a leniency said that vis-a-vis the yibum, one witness would be believed. 
A man is also not believed to say that his wife died in order that he can go marry his wife's sister, because again, maybe he has feelings for the sister and is lying, and in that case, there was never this, um, this leniency said by the rabbis that one witness would be believed in order to allow such a marriage. Again, so we see that the leniency was only ever said vis-a-vis a woman saying that her husband died so she shouldn't get stuck in marriage, um, when there is no way out because we'll never know whether this husband is dead and he's never going to be able to walk in and give a get. So she'll be stuck as in Aguna forever. That's when we said the leniency. And again, because it's such a scary situation for her, should she not be telling the truth that we're confident she is telling the truth. That's the end of Perak Tesvav. Perak Tes Zayin. Mishnah Aleph. Ha'isha shahalach bala asa lemedina sayam. Uba'u va'amrula meis balaich. Lo tinase, velo tisyabe, ajateda, shema meuberesi, tsarasa. So a woman goes overseas now with her husband and with her co wife. Now, witnesses come back and they say that her husband died. She's not allowed to go get remarried because um, she should be a shomeris yavam. She should have a yibum situation. Anytime a woman falls out in yibum, she's asked to go get married to anyone else except the yavam. But we also do not want her to do yibum until we ascertain that the tsara, her co-wife, didn't get pregnant. Because if the co-wife did get pregnant, so then she's aser in yibum. And the brother, in fact, is an iser erva for her. He's an ashes ach. She's an ashes ach vis-a-vis him. So therefore, we don't want the um, woman to do yibum. So she can't get married and she can't get yibum. She can't do yibum until we can figure out whether this woman, the co-wife, was became pregnant while overseas. The Bartanora points out over here um, from the Gemara that why can't we tell this woman to do chalitza and then go get married? Because chalitza, she shouldn't have to wait, because who cares? If the woman, who is her co-wife, actually was pregnant, so she's allowed to go get married anyway. And if she wasn't pregnant, and she had to do yibum, so she did chalitza, and then she's allowed to go get married. So what do we care? Let her do chalitza, and let her be off the hook right away. Um, the Gemara relates, no, because we're worried that if she does do chalitza and then later it turns out that the co-wife was pregnant, so then the chalitza would have ushered her to marry a Kohen. But now that we find out that the co-wife was pregnant, so in fact there was no yibum or chalitza situation, so the chalitza was never a real chalitza. So therefore she's really allowed to go and marry a Kohen. So in this case, we would have to announce to the world that the chalitza was really not a, not a necessary chalitza because she, the co-wife, her co-wife was pregnant at the time, and therefore she's allowed to go marry a kohen. But we're worried. Maybe somebody was there and heard about the chalitza, but didn't hear the announcement about the fact that the co-wife was pregnant and there was no need for a chalitza. Therefore, that person who only heard the first piece of news and not the second will think that a chalutza is mutter to go marry a kohen. Because of that concern, we're not going to let her do chalitza. So again, she's stuck in limbo here and she's not able to get married and she's not able to do yibum until we can ascertain was the co-wife in fact pregnant um, while she was overseas. Haisala chamos eina chosheshes. If she was overseas with her husband and with her mother-in-law, at the time when she left, she had no yavam. The, her husband had no paternal brother. <clears throat> and she goes overseas with her husband and her parents-in-law. Now, should we be concerned that maybe the mother-in-law gave birth while overseas? 
And if so, now she does have a yavam, and so maybe we wouldn't make her, we wouldn't allow her to go get married. No, says the Mishnah, that's not true. We're not going to be concerned about that type of a situation. And the reason over here, the difference between the co-wife and the mother-in-law is that by the co-wife we're concerned. Perhaps the co-wife got pregnant, and therefore she can't do yibum. Um, doesn't have to do yibum. Um, sorry, and therefore right, she doesn't have to do yibum because the co-wife is pregnant. Um, now, over there we're concerned because any type of birth that the co-wife gives, meaning a boy or a girl, will exempt her from having to do yibum because the husband will be considered someone who has children. And those children can be a boy or a girl. Whereas by the mother-in-law, so the only case that the mother-in-law could give birth in that would affect the yibum status of the daughter-in-law would be a boy. And since that's true, um, so it's only a 50-50 chance. So we'll say there's actually a small chance that perhaps the mother-in-law, um, even if she got pregnant, didn't give birth at all. Maybe she miscarried. And if she did give birth, so maybe she gave birth to a girl. So the chances are much lower that we're worried about in the mother-in-law case. Whereas in the co-wife case, it's true, maybe she had miscarried, but if she did give birth, any child, a boy or a girl that she gave birth to, would exempt the, the um, woman from Yibum. That's the difference between the mother-in-law and the co-wife. But, says the Mishnah, if she went overseas with her mother-in-law and the mother-in-law was pregnant at the time, then we are concerned. Even though there is only a 50% chance, or even slightly less than a 50% chance, because suffix number one, doubt number one, is that maybe the mother-in-law gave, um, had a miscarriage. And doubt number two, suffix number two, is that maybe the mother-in-law um, gave birth to a girl and not to a boy. Still, the first opinion in the Mishnah is that we are concerned and we will have to clarify whether the mother-in-law um, gave birth to a boy or not, um, and we won't allow this woman to do yibum without checking. And likewise, we won't allow her to um, go get married either. Rabbi Yoshua Omer Einachoshashas. Rabbi Yoshua holds we're not concerned in that situation. Even when the mother-in-law left to go overseas and she was pregnant, we're not concerned. And the reason is because of these two sfeikas. We have two doubts. Doubt number one, maybe she gave birth, maybe she didn't give birth and she had a miscarriage. And doubt number two, that even if she did give birth, maybe she gave birth to a girl and not a boy, and therefore no yavam was ever born. That's the end of Mishnah Aleph.